0: Hello my name is Adam Eason, welcome to episode 54 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends, and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a show filled with all the excitement of your first day at school lined up for you today. And yes, indeed, that's a reference to the fact that the summer holidays are officially over here in England, and the eldest of my children, my son Ollie, had his first day at big school yesterday, and yes, he was as composed, confident and at ease as his father quite clearly should have been. In a short while I'll be sharing with you an interview with my guest Barbara Stepp. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary on the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media, but also offer up some of the content of those media stories. We then return with our professional discussion with my guest Barbara Stepp. We'll be talking about the legacy of Dave Dobson, the no-fault psychology approach, and other than conscious communication. We'll round things off with this week's hypnosis evidence-based factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I say at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis, and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub, and all of whom, following their time, here on hypnosis weekly i have a great deal of respect for if you have questions queries thoughts or feedback do get in touch via the hypnosis weekly website all the references made in the discussions along with the related links are posted at each episode on the website www.hypnosis-weekly.com that's just hypnosis weekly with a hyphen in the middle.com you can add your thoughts comments and make any suggestions there too Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, please, please do go and give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be a BFF if you do. So first of all today is this week's interview. It is with great pleasure that I welcome Barbara Step as my guest today. I was put into contact with Barb by great friends of the show and great friends of Barbara's, the English sisters who spoke highly of her and her training. Barbara and I touched base and exchanged some emails and she agreed to come onto the show. Then I started exploring her, investigating her, her work, her website and was just in awe of all the plaudits Richard Bandler the founder of NLP says this Barbara Stepp has long been one of the best and up to date trainers you'll find none better John Laval president of the society of NLP says this Barbara Stepp will take you through your quest for excellence in the most elegant way that only she can Barbara is vivacious, determined, funny and energetic blimey And then guess what? This is what Tony Robbins had to say. We've worked together so many years and over that time I've had the sincere privilege of getting to know you and seeing your loving heart at work. You are a beautiful lady inside and out. Wow, again. She's known as being the original feisty lady, but I found her to be gentle and charming. You'll hear that she refers to herself as a dehypnotizer. So, yes, it's the NLP granny herself. For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume, sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. So as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to welcome to Hypnosis Weekly, the one and only Barbara Stepp. Barbara, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly.:
1: Thank you. I'm delighted to be here.
0: So let's learn a little bit about you first of all. Tell us a bit about how you got into this field, what your background is, and how you've arrived at where you are now.:
1: OK. That's a big question.
0: It is.
1: (laughs) Having almost 78 years of experience, I think I can probably answer that. (laughs) Uh, First of all, uh, curiosity. I'm probably the most curious person in the world, and I have this unending desire to learn. I'm a perpetual student, and everything of value, I spend a great deal of time learning. Um. I started out, um, I was born in 1939, so I've been around some time. You have. (laughs) Yes, I have a big experience file. (laughs) Um, When I was a senior in high school, um, I decided I needed to have more education than I was getting. I already had all my credits, so I was finishing up my senior year, and I was going to junior college at night. Um, And that's been the story of my life uh, forever. I am a student, and I love to learn. Uh, I started my own little business when I was about 16. It was called Business Services Unlimited, and it was mostly secretarial. Um, I came from parents and grandparents who all were entrepreneurs and managed their own businesses, so I was never a full-blown employee.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, and at a very young age I became a corporate trainer so my background is business I have business degrees degrees in finance I went on to psychology Um, and as a corporate trainer I was allowed to go to all different types of workshops and seminars and I took advantage of all of that And um, I guess I was born with an identity that I'm a people helper. Right. It's my main focus in life. Yeah. I'm a people helper. Uh, And I just kept learning and learning, and I do a great deal of coaching. I have studied hypnosis everywhere with practically everyone. Um, and I have had my own school of hypnosis for 30 years, mm. but in I've been in practice for over 45. Wow! So that's my pretty much my background. Um, I am an avid reader. I read between 10 and 15 books a month. Blimey! And have a library of over three thousand books. So, (laughs) yeah. So that's kind of my background.
0: Great, great, great. So, so throughout those years, with with all with that whopping great big experience and and so on, where are you at with hypnosis? So that is, you know. if you do define it, how do you define it and and how have you arrived at that definition or or, or how do you explain it to 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 students or clients um, um and so on where Where are you as far as hypnosis is concerned?
1: Well, I'm a clinical hypnotherapist yeah, obviously an instructor and a coach mm. and it is without a doubt my greatest love of everything that I have learned and experienced. Great. I'm going to give you a simple comment, and then we can go from there, Um, and that is there's really no such thing as hypnosis, Mm. and hypnosis is everything, or everything is hypnosis. So, essentially, it's very difficult to give a left-brain definition of what hypnosis is. I explain to my students that the absolute best hypnotist on the planet is behind their belly button because they are their own hypnotists. Mm. All I am is a tour guide. I do not believe we do anything to anybody. I believe that we help them with resources. I have a brief explanation of what Dave and I did, and what I do now. So I'm going to just tell you that people ask me what I do for a living, and I tell them I am a (laughs) dehypnotist. After all, each and every one of us have done a beautiful job of hypnotizing ourselves and what it is we believe that we believe. Oftentimes, many of us live down to our expectations of ourselves. The mind is purposeful, it's not rational, and a dehypnotist's job is to show you how to interrupt those self-limiting beliefs, outgrow automatic, other-than-conscious default mental schemas, and remember to remember how to enjoy the joy of living again. Like you did when you were a child, or are you too old to learn something new?
0: Mm. So I love all of those. I I, I love the um. I love this notion of there is no such thing as hypnosis, and yet everything is hypnosis. Mm-hmm. Um. I'm, I'm, I, I love this notion, and 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 I, I thoroughly enjoy that um that idea of um of us dehypnotizing ourselves and i think um i I'm, i was um i was getting carried away with uh, i was off with the fairies a little bit while you were while you were busy explaining that and i forgot for a moment that i was actually running a podcast because i was really really getting engaged with uh with with with, with your description there which i loved thank you so um um with regards to that then, and with regards to this this, this really lengthy career that you have had, uh, Barbara, who are some of the major influences that that, that you have had, and, and, and of those 3,000 books and, and, and so on, what are some of the books and the authors that have taught you the most and some of the teachers that have been the most influential upon you, and perhaps you could let us know why?
1: All right. Well... I can begin with Milton Erickson, who's the father of American medical hypnosis, and he's the one who came up with conversational permissive hypnosis. I learned a great deal from Milton Erickson, and yes, I was alive when he was. (laughs) 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 And, uh, of course, Dr. Richard Bandler, and I will explain that in a moment. As you know, I've been, uh, I'm a... um, I'm the world's oldest, most experienced, most tenured master NLP trainer in the world. (laughs) Uh, But I seem to have that distinction in many things. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm a surprise to most people that I don't sound very old, and I'm not senile in any way. The brain still works rather well. Yeah. It's my job. That's why they call me Barb the Brain Trainer. Um, and the most influential, um, most valuable clinical hypnotherapist and doctor of psychology who helped me more than anyone who I value my learning and experience with is Dr. David Dobson. Those three. Yes. Yeah. As far as books, I read so many books and have so many books. It's hard to pick uh, uh, particular books, but I I was very impressed with Milton Erickson's Life Reframing and Hypnosis, Mm. uh, Healing and Hypnosis, and the very old book of Dr. Richard Bandler's uh, Transformations. Yep. But as I said, I read anything and everything. Fiction, non-fiction. Um, I dearly love history. Uh, having my roots in the UK.
0: <laughs> Do you know
1: Yeah, my maiden name was Scott. And my father was Scott. Um, I love to read everything and anything about the UK, especially about Scotland. Yes. Um, so... I'm an avid reader.
0: Yeah, yeah, and um, um, so throughout throughout the years that you've been working and, and, and working with, with with so many people and um, um, uh, you, you know teaching so many more as well, what's been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that that you've witnessed, Barbara?
1: Oh, there are so many. So many. Is it witnessed or experienced? Because I can give what? you
0: both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, please do give me both.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, <clears throat> I can tell you that um, when Dave was still with us, he yeah. left this planet in uh, February of 2008. Um, He was a pilot for many, many years. And because we lived on an island, San Juan Island, most everyone flew. So, obviously, I took flight lessons. Right. And I loved it, and I did really well at it. But when the time came for me to do my practical exam with an FAA examiner, I was a little nervous because I had a little bit of a challenge with under-the-hood work where you just fly by instruments and you don't trust your body. Um, and the thing I had the most problems with was stalls and, uh, left and right ascending and descending turns. Mm. So I was going around all day and evening before the the test, you know, repeating all the steps I should take and just left-braining the heck out of it. Um, And when we went to bed, David came over and he sat down beside me and he said, he started talking with me, and he said, you know that you and your other than conscious mind have been doing this successfully for a very long time, and each of both of you know exactly what you should be doing, so it might be useful to just trust in your other than conscious mind. while you sleep and dream tonight, just dream and dream of enjoying flying. Mm. And of course, he said a lot of other things. So the next day, obviously, I aced everything on, <laughs> my, on my flight. And when it came turn my turn to put on the hood, I'm very visual, by the way, to put on the hood... Um, I did pretty well. And when I went to do, just before I went to do the ascending and descending turns, right, Mm. I said to my other than conscious mind, okay, we know what to do, so let's just do it. And we did it. Mm. And uh, I remember uh, when we... uh, Came in on the final, and my instructor was a woman. And she said, um, okay, give me a short field landing. I said, okay, and I did. We pulled off, and she said to me, congratulations. You are now a licensed pilot. <laughs> Yay. Yay. It was One of the greatest things I ever experienced. Obviously, I've worked with many people with health issues. I've helped people who were uh told they were terminal, as I once was. Um, and I think doctors make a lot of mistakes, or they used to when they did that. They don't do it so much anymore. Uh, I remember helping a gentleman with hypnosis who had a spontaneous remission from leukemia. That was very important to me. Yeah. Um, so I have experienced it as a person who experienced hypnosis and as a person who has used it with people. And I have more discoveries and experiences that I could possibly name in our short interview.
0: Yeah. 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 I bet. I bet over that period of time. Um, um, so, so if we could go back then, if we could go back to when you were a, a wee whippersnapper, um um when you starting out in this field um I'm starting out as a hypnosis professional and knowing the stuff that you know now. Is there anything that you'd do differently barbara and and if so what, and is there any advice that the person that you are today would give that younger you that you'd share with our listeners?
1: Anything I do differently? Well, you know since we're all the sum of our experiences, probably yeah. not except maybe. Read more and learn more, if that's possible. Uh, and I would suggest to people beginning or starting out, even to young people who just listen to this who are interested in communication, read. For heaven's sake, read. I think this modern world is losing that uh, that skill. Yeah. They're, they're not bothering with it. Everyone is so focused on the Internet. <clears throat> email text which actually affects our communication skills so i would say read 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 learn 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 be a a, a perpetual student
0: <laughs> yeah yeah good um um that's what i say that's that's what i say very very often to uh, to people you know um, um be the be the eternal student. Become as you know, develop as much erudition as you possibly can within your field. Um, and so on. Now then, Bob, what are your thoughts about evidence-based approaches to hypnosis and hypnotherapy?
1: Okay. Could you um please explain to me what you mean by evidence based?
0: Yeah, sure. So um um whereby hypnotherapy or hypnosis is supported with evidence that perhaps that perhaps adheres to a scientific slant
1: well the fact is that we all have a brain and a mind And hypnosis, very simply, to me, is more about beliefs and suggestions. Okay. Mm. So do I believe it's scientific? Yes. Do I believe it's brain-based and neurological? Yes. I am an avid student of neuroscience and a practitioner. So if you're asking me, do I believe it's scientific? Yes, I do.
0: Sure, sure. Sure, now then we are going later on we are going to examine we 're going to talk in some depth about um, about this uh, other than conscious communication and the no fault psychology. That um, you and your your life and professional partner, uh, Dr. Dave Dobson, helped pioneer and and and, and that you teach, and we're going to look at a, a lot more depth about that. For now, where can people go to learn more about your work, your approach, and and the things that you do?
1: Well, I love people, so I'm very happy to talk with anyone who'd like to speak with me. Uh, they can um, call me. Yeah. At seven seven three eight five seven zero seven seven seven. They can go to my website, xlquest.com, or email me to mind or barb at xlquest.com.
0: And we will have links and uh, um, all of those bits of information over at this particular episodes page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. Um, we will be right back with Barbara Stepp in just a few moments time. Stay tuned. I really enjoyed that. As I said, we'll be back with Barb for our professional discussion shortly. Onto this week's hypnosis in the news then. This week I'm citing two recent stories that found their way into the mainstream media. First up, uh, an article entitled How We Defeated Our Demons. Three women on their fight against phobias. So this article is in the Express newspaper, uh, national newspaper, and it opens with the line, As fear threatened to overwhelm them three women turned to alternative therapies in their fight against phobias. They tell the reporter about regaining control of their lives. Um, And it's this it's this thing. Three women turn to alternative therapies in their fight against phobias. Um, There's an interesting distinction to be made here and potentially a much bigger ethical and philosophical discussion to be had. Um, I do not tend to consider hypnotherapy to be an alternative therapy necessarily. And I'm not sure if it's wise to offer what we do as an out and out alternative to everything else. The distinction is between the notion of us being alternative contrasted with us being complementary. I think it's wise to get as much resource and support as is available to assist somebody. Um, Isn't that what we do as quality professionals? We form part of a gamut, a comprehensive treatment plan that we are a component of. We need to be aware of our own professional sphere of competence too, right? I mean, if we're seeing someone for weight reduction, our role is to help with their psychology as a hypnotherapist we do not offer exercise advice or nutritional advice unless we're qualified to do as much but even then if you're being employed as a hypnotherapist then you offer the professional sphere of competence that is that of a hypnotherapist. I struggle to find evidence that suggests we can be an absolute alternative treatment anyway perhaps with the exception of IBS some anxiety disorders and pediatric asthma issues. The evidence for the field of hypnotherapy struggles to support us positioning ourselves as a complete and -and out-and-out alternative. Heck... I digress, that was only the first sentence of this particular newspaper article. Of the three celebrities that featured in this article, one had hypnotherapy to overcome her phobia. And this was dancer Joanne Clifton, who uh, featured on Strictly Come Dancing. She was on a a Christmas show, so not the the actual shows. Uh, She was on a Christmas show dancing with uh, the McFly drummer who who won. Um, um, But she could not get into her shower if no one else was in her house. Uh, despite some initial scepticism, then she had two sessions of hypnotherapy that had numerous other benefits as well. It's a very positive account that she that she gives, although my jaw clenched a tiny bit when she refers to hypnosis as being under. Um, I got past that due to the very positive outcome and the way that hypnotherapy was presented in the rest of the article. Anyway, the second article that I sp- uh, that, that, that I will cite this week is entitled I lost eight stone pretending I had a gastric band. And now I've swapped chocks for cabbage. I love that. I've swapped chocks for cabbage. Of course, you. of course you did. Um, um. Why wouldn't you? Despite my own thoughts on the way that gastric band hypnotherapy is marketed to the hypnotherapy field, the success stories to feature in the media with regards to the gastric band application of hypnosis continue to dazzle um, Alison Shilly, then um, the, the focus of this article she weighed 18 stone 11 pounds two years ago and openly admits her penchant for all things chocolate since then she's reduced her weight by eight stone that's a whopping amount that's like lopping off a limb and says that she craves mashed swede and she binges on cabbage. <laughs> Hey, hey, hey You know what? I eat healthily. You know I I do love my veg, I've got to say, but I rarely crave cabbage. Ah uh, maybe it's all those years of my nan's Sunday roasts with cabbage that had been boiled to death and her telling me it had plenty of sulphur in it, Adam. Like like that's good for you. Uh, To to me at the time, sulphur was just stuff that bubbled up out of the ground in geezers. Anyway, it's a great success story because this lady has been affected in a variety of ways that have helped her to, you know, her attitude towards food, her activity levels and not just a passive response to the to the hypnotic band, you know, and good for her. I'm still not wholly convinced that the media stories um, are representative of the entire application, the entire field of, of gastric band hypnosis application. But the media never seems to run out of these really big weight loss stories, you know. And, and, and that, that, that is only a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Links to both of these media stories are listed under this week's podcast entry on the, the Hypnosis Weekly website, www.hypnosis-weekly.com. Next up, we have this week's professional discussion. Um, I welcome back Barbara Step. When I was asking Barb about a topic to discuss, I asked her if we could discuss and explore the no fault psychology and uh, other than conscious communication. It was mentioned on her website because you know I I, I was I was naive of this. Um, I was ignorant about it. Didn't know what it was. Um, I mean, as you'll find out, this was pioneered by Dave Dobson, who sadly passed away in two thousand and eight, and Barbara uh, picked up the mantles, continued to share. The work um, and is the the, the the owner of it all now. Um, so, Barb the brain trainer, and um, that's what we're going to be discussing here. Here is this week's professional discussion with Barbara Step. Enjoy. <music> So I am back and rejoined by Barbara Stepp once again. Now, when I got in contact with Barbara and um, asked her to come and join me on the show here, um, I, I spent a bit of time uh, examining some of her work and looking at some of the the, the the things that she does out there in the world. And something that, that really piqued my curiosity and that, that became really interesting and that I suggested and asked her if we could discuss, was something that that is referred to on her website as no fault psychology and and other than conscious communication which which are the 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 topics that we're going to discuss today barbara welcome back first of all tell us a little bit about how no fault psychology came to be how how did it come to be
1: well first of all my husband who was older than myself um was a Freudian psychologist. and his day, that's what they taught, mm. was Freudism. Um, and so, as he went along his practice, helping people, because that was his identity as well, people helper, um, he didn't feel or experience that he was helping people get the most value with what he was doing. So he began to get curious, and he started researching and experimenting with things. And eventually he came up with what he termed no-fault psychology, Mm. which very simply put is the exact polarity of Freudism. In other words, with Freud, it was about your parents. It was your parents' fault, or your uncle's fault, cousin's fault or teacher's fault in no fault psychology we say that it's nobody's fault it's not your mother's fault it's not even our fault Mm. sometimes we make a mistake sometimes we mess up a little bit and it's okay to say oh okay now how can i do this better how can i be more successful Can this be more productive or more valuable. Because it's nobody's fault. Mm. Mm. That's a big move from, even today, the world has still been hypnotized by Sigmund Freud, to martyrs and to not take responsibility for ourselves. (coughs) But this way we can, and we don't have to have any guilt or remorse about it. We can simply choose a more productive, valuable pattern of behavior or pattern of thought. Mm. Mm. So he worked on this for years and developed no-fault psychology, which is all about patterns of behavior and how we can adjust them, tweak them, or outgrow them. We can never get rid of our experience files. Okay. They're there. They're part of us. We are the end result of our experience files, of our experience. Okay. Mm-hmm. What we can do is continue to learn, continue to outgrow patterns, and to be able to build new ones. Okay. And one of the things that's very important about no fault psychology is that when we're children, we are helpless. We adapt and we survive. Now, part of where our fear and insecurity and our fear of loss of sense of self comes from the fact that our parents and their parents before them and those before them felt it was their job to socialize the little one,
0: Mm. and
1: what we learned to do was to fit in,
0: right,
1: Mm. society, not to be original, not to be different in any way. It was what Dave called the tribe or herd mentality. As a result of that, we developed this insecurity and this fear, okay? Mm. And as children, how we adapt and survive because we're helpless is we, without even realizing it, come up with certain patterns of behavior to protect ourselves. For some, it's humor. For others, it's being really, really shy. These are different patterns of behavior. And it happens so that when we grow up and we become adults, we often, whenever we're fearful or uncertain, fall back into those childhood patterns. Mm. So, with no-fault psychology, there are ways, and with other than conscious communication, there are ways and skills and patterns that we can utilize to outgrow unproductive and limiting patterns of behavior belief thought
0: right right lovely so so no fault psychology in and of itself is 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 more of the the methodology Mm -hmm. and um um, how does other than conscious communication sort of fit fit into that
1: other than conscious communication is hypnosis right it's about uh, other than conscious communication more or less for us, in our opinion, defines hypnosis. It's as simple as that. Mm. So, when people communicate, they communicate consciously and other than consciously. You've probably heard that referred to as unconscious or pre-conscious uh, or subconscious, but... In our opinion, the most accurate one is, is other than conscious, because we're not sure exactly how it works or what it is, but we know that we have an other than conscious mind. mm mm-hmm. So we communicate with words, which are conscious, and with behaviors, which are everything but words, which is other than conscious. Mm-hmm. So the way to connect with someone instantly and the way to communicate effectively is by utilizing both. And David believed that 90% or more of our communication was other than conscious. Even Noam Chomsky said only 20% of communication was words and 80% was something else, but he never bothered to define it. He was... In the linguistics field. Yeah. So that's being the whole person. So, yes, David did not enjoy being called a psychologist. He uh, sometimes would call himself a psychologist. (laughs) (laughs) He would rather be called a hypnotherapist because that was where his love lay, and that is where mine lies.
0: Right, right. So with regards to... The no fault psychology, then, as 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 an approach, is there, or are there issues, or that uh, that typically it works better with, or, or are there just no boundaries with regards to the applications of it?
1: There are no boundaries in our opinion,
0: mm.
1: and uh, the thing to remember is that the most important and I don't think I mentioned it as far as advice goes for people who are starting out, but Mm. the most important thing is respect. Right. You see, when we want to step into somebody else's model of the world, what I teach is how to respectfully acknowledge another person, how to respectfully acknowledge another person's other than conscious behavior. Mm-hmm that's
0: where the action is yeah so is that is that like a like an underpinning attitude that that, that you that you need to have or you know or, 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 or is it similar to to sort of being aware of a set of presuppositions as the field of NLP would have for example or, or, or is it actually a skill
1: it's all of that but it's not about NLP Dave Often said, NLP or the ABCs of communication. Sure. Um, so, you you've seen uh, we've communicated via Twitter, and you've seen my posts where I say, whatever's useful, whatever's work, whatever yeah. works, and that's our perceptual bias. Whatever's useful, whatever works. Yeah. David came up with so many wonderful things. There are so many skills and patterns within no-fault psychology. The concept of of pattern interrupts. You may have heard that phrase. From yes. Keith. Dave came up with that. That was his original phrase, Pattern, interrupt. Mm. Uh, gold mining. Okay. Metaphors, metaphives, meta-sixes, subjective reversals. You've probably heard of the famous original beach trip created by Dave. Mm. Um... Which many people have done takeoffs on. Uh, I don't take credit for those. I did not invent them. David did. Mm-hmm. So there is so much, and there's so much with regard to the principle of cross filing and how our brain actually works and remembers. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's not a limited methodology. <laughs>
0: no. No 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 yeah no, i'm beginning to see that yeah yeah and so um um it starts at a place of of respecting um um the people that that you are that you are encountering that you're going to work with and then um um there are a number of a, a, a wide range of different sort of patterns that that make up the methodology would i be correct in saying that or is it a, a set of attitudes or
1: If we talk about patterns, that's everything. Right. In fact, when Dave was in the hospital before he transitioned, he said to me, sweetie, always remember, the most important thing in life is awareness. And remember, everything is a pattern. A pattern is a pattern is a pattern. Mm -hmm. Patterns of thought, patterns of behavior. We have a certain pattern about how we go about our day, a certain pattern for dressing." for brushing our teeth, for doing the simplest of the most complicated things. Everything is a pattern.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I see that, yeah, yeah. Now, if people wanted to learn to learn more about this then, learn more about the no-fault psychology and the, the other than conscious communication that sits uh, uh, within the no-fault psychology methodology and approach, um, how could they do that?
1: Well, they can contact me
0: yeah.
1: Uh, where they can actually uh, go on my website where my courses are noted there. We are doing a no fault psychology and other than conscious communication fun shop October 1 through 7 of this year. Yeah. And I do at least two a year for as long as I am able to
0: speak. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that you call them fun shops. I like that.
1: Dave came up with that because he thought workshops sounded too hard. And he said learning should be fun.
0: Yeah, I agree.
1: So we did fun shops and we still, I still do fun shops.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Calling them fun shops instead of workshops. I like that. Um, (laughs) um, um, Barbara, thank you so much. For a great, and coming on to hypnosis weekly i i really appreciate it if people want to go and learn more about this online then they still go to xlquest.com mm-hmm. yes uh-huh. great
1: great by the way thank you for inviting me it's been my pleasure to speak with someone so uh, what can i say objective so respectful and open-minded i people like you
0: <laughs> well you are very generous both both on and off uh, you are very generous and um, all that leaves me to say today barbara step thank you very much for coming and being a part of hypnosis weekly
1: my pleasure
0: I thoroughly enjoyed that discussion and equally I thoroughly enjoyed my time with Barb off air we spent some time laughing and talking together afterwards I do love the idea of calling classes fun shops instead of workshops Um, You'd never believe she was 78 years old at the time of this recording, would you? I can now add to her many plaudits and say that she's the oldest guest that I've had on Hypnosis Weekly. What a what a, what a, what a thing to proudly be able to claim, eh? So anyway, um, our evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week is this. Um, in a study contu- conducted by Arid Barabbas and colleagues, the hypnotic treatment of the genital infection caused by HPV, that's human papillomavirus, um, human papillomavirus was examined. HPV is one of the most commonly sexually transmitted diseases and can lead to cervical and other cancers. Uh, Medical treatments have historically been aimed at tissue assault, such as using acids, uh, freezing and removal surgery and so on. Anyway, the, the research contrasted hypnosis only with medical only therapies, whereby both hypnosis and medical therapy resulted in statistically significant reduction in areas and numbers of lesions. However, And here's the big deal as far as I'm concerned. At the 12-week follow-up, complete clearance rates were 5 to 1 in favor of hypnosis. Wow, I just think that's so impressive. You know, so our fact of the week is that hypnosis outperforms conventional medical therapy by 5 to 1 when it comes to complete clearance rates of HPV at 12-week follow-up. It gives me great pleasure to share that. Uh, The study was entitled Efficacy of Hypnosis in the Treatment of Human Papillomavirus uh, in Women, Rural and Urban Samples, uh, published in 1996 in in the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis. The full study can be found over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. That's it, folks. That's it for this week's 54th, uh, uh, 54th edition. I'm uh, getting a bit tongue-tied today. I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in the coming weeks too. Uh, we'll be discussing, debating, celebrating and above all, remaining friends. And to repeat, all the references made in the discussions, along with related links, are posted at each episode um, on the Hypnosis Weekly website. My guest next time out is another lady of many plaudits, the paediatric hypnosis specialist Linda Hudson. Now, I'm going to be teaching all week next week, so I'll be back with that particular edition in two weeks time. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions, questions. So do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure that they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. Really help us reach the hypnosis field. Uh, My thanks again to Barbara Stepp and thanks to you for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now.